Hello Saints, Todd here with SafeguardYourSoul.com. Thank you so much for tuning in. We are so blessed to have these moments together in the Word of God. And remember, Saints, there's nothing, there's nothing, no thing happening on God's planet that is even remotely as important as the work of the gospel and feeding the sheep of Jesus Christ for whom he died to save so that they can grow in grace, they can be edified, they can be equipped for the work of the ministry according to the scriptures. And let me just guarantee you this one thing, by the grace of God, this outreach will continue to unapologetically endeavor to preach the whole of the word of God, regardless of who gets offended or not in Jesus name. And please remember that your prayers and support are vital to this operation. Thank you. In Romans chapter 1, the Apostle Paul is speaking of not being ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation to every one that believeth. Then he says, to the Jew first and also to the Greek, in other words, all men, uh, the Jews and the Gentiles across the earth who hear the gospel and have it available to them, for therein is the righteousness of God revealed from faith to faith, as it is written, the just shall live by faith, and he speaks of God's wrath upon unrighteousness and defines it beginning in verse 18, Romans 1, for the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against two. Here it is. God's wrath is revealed from heaven. Some people want to say that God has no wrath. Well, that's willing ignorance. Absolutely. Always with the selfish design of escaping from or excusing themselves from minute examination and astute attention to what God says and obedience to it, man is always trying to invent a way to insulate himself from accountability to God. That's one thing you're going to find with nearly every false doctrine on the planet. And remember that, my friend, they're always trying to escape accountability. Why? Because they don't want to repent, as Jesus says, because they love darkness rather than light, because their deeds are evil. God sees all rebellion. There's nothing hidden from his eyes. By the way, that's John 3, 19 through 21. It's just after he declared that uh, God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believes in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. And that God sent not his son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. That's John 3, beginning in verse 16. And because we're already condemned in our own sins, but it's just a matter of whether or not we as individuals, that's the only way we can choose is for ourselves, are going to repent and get honest with God before it's too late. And when it's too late, we're going to, those who refuse to do things God's way to humble themselves and serve their creator are going to be terminated into the bowels of uh, eternal damnation to suffer unquenchable fire for all eternity consciously. And that's a place they put themselves. God didn't put them there. God provided everything and sought to initiate a relationship with them. Jesus said when he was lifted up on the cross, he was going to draw all, not some, but all men unto himself. Jesus Christ is the propitiation, the atoning sacrifice for the sins of the whole world. He's not willing that any should perish. God would have all men to be saved and to come under the knowledge of the truth. Now, that segment of scripture, which I just quoted four in a row, should be enough and will be enough to any honest person to ditch every vestige of the cursed cancer of Calvinism, which is a diabolical system of lies. And we've got a lot about that on the website, safeguardyourself.com. 
bible.com forward slash Calvinism. So for the wrath of God, Paul writes, under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit is revealed from heaven. So first of all, we have the wrath of God here. In 2 Thessalonians 1 and 2, we read that those who rebel against God are going to be punished with everlasting destruction. Somebody once told me, a guy who claims he's a theologian type, that uh, God doesn't punish. Well, I just quickly did a search of punished. We read that in the Bible. So if God doesn't punish, why does God say he's going to punish? Why do we read here that the wrath of God revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who hold the truth and unrighteousness if, in fact, God has no wrath? This, folks, is false teaching. Again, they want to only pertain to, acquiesce to, and agree with the things that cater to them in this life, being able to live any way they like. You see, these are antinomian people. They're lawless. They're the God of their own life. And they try to cloak things by manipulating scripture, you know, taking away and adding to it as it serves the God of self, because that's who they really bow down to and serve. Anybody serving Jesus Christ has humbled themselves and said, yes, Lord. And they've repented. They put their faith in Christ. And now they're abiding in Jesus per his stated instructions, per his terms of agreement, which are on record in his word, amen, for all to see. And there's no excuse. There is no excuse. In fact, we're going to read that right here. They are without excuse. And it's because of what? Number one, God's creation. We're drowning in his creation. It testifies that there is a God, that we have his creation. There's no such thing as a painting without a painter. There's no such thing as a vehicle without a maker. There's no such thing as creation without a creator. And number two, conscience. God gave us a conscience to convict of us of what's right and wrong and to draw us to him in repentance and humility. And number three, the word of God. We just read in verse 16, Romans 1, that uh, Paul said he's not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. That's the word of God revealed in the word of God. It is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believeth, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. See, it's God's word that is the incorruptible word, seed of the word of God, by which men are born again. First Peter one twenty three. His word never returns void, but it always accomplishes that for which he sends it. And the accomplishment of it is a yes or a no. And we're all going to be brought into judgment for how we have conducted and stewarded the lives he gave us in this life. And he gave us ample, overwhelming evidence that he exists and that we are going to be judged by him. We're going to stand in judgment. You see, when people think they can dismiss God or the terms that he requires, then they somehow in their mind believe that they're going to escape judgment, that everything's going to be all right, and that they're not going to hear, depart from me, you cursed into everlasting fire, prepared for the devil and his angels. But God sees all, and the scripture says, be not deceived. God is not mocked for whatsoever a man soweth, that shall he also reap. Galatians chapter 6, verse 7 and 8. We're either going to reap life everlasting by walking in the Spirit and doing things God's way, or we're going to reap eternal corruption in that passage we read. For verse 18, Romans 1, our main text here, for the wrath of God is revealed from heaven. It is. Against two, though. Here it is. Against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who hold or suppress the truth in unrighteousness. They have it, but they won't obey it. Because that which may be known 
throne of God is manifest in them, for God has showed it unto them. So there's people that come up with this idea, well, what about the Indian tribes? Well, just stop for a second. If you ever study or see a documentary on that, why are they extinct? Because they worship demons. Yet these same people that are trying to make this an excuse to, what they're trying to do is evade their own personal responsibility. So instead of stopping and saying, I've heard the gospel and I'm personally accountable, they're going to put it off onto, well, what about the indigenous tribes? They haven't heard the gospel. Well, wait a minute. You're saying they haven't heard the gospel? They don't know there's a God? Right here we see that creation testifies that there's a God, as we're going to see in this passage. But yet they had all the wherewithal to worship demons, yet they didn't have the opportunity to worship God? Huh. Interesting. Interesting. You sound like people like that are chasing their own tails. They're in darkness, and they love darkness rather than light. And all they're trying to do is make excuse for their own sin instead of owning it before God before it's too late. Let me just say this to you right now, friend. If you're not 100% sure that you're absolutely, genuinely born again and presently walking with the Lord, you are as sure for hell as if you were already there, and you're going to burn consciously in the lake of fire for all eternity. And when one million years has expired from Earth's time clock, not one second, not one tick of the clock will have expired from eternity's time clock. It's going to be forever. God takes it personal when he has sent his only begotten son to pay the full price for your sins and sought through conscience, your own conscience he made you with all your life, creation which you're drowning in, and the word of God all around you to get you to repent, but you refuse. So you sent yourself to hell. And you're going to hear, again, Matthew 25, depart from me, you worker of iniquity. Depart from me, you cursed, into everlasting fire. Prepare for the devil and his angels. You are going to go where the devil and a third of the angels went, and that and are going to be, and that's hell and the lake of fire. The hell is going to be cast into the ocean of the lake of fire, Revelation chapter 20, because you cho- chose to go there. You refused to receive the price that Jesus paid for all your sins, and therefore somebody has to pay in the divine economy because God is holy and God is just. Somebody's got to pay for those sins. Now, Jesus already paid for all of them, paid in full. That's what he said on the cross. Jesus said, it is finished, Matthew 19, verse 30. That means paid in full. We've got a great post. The seven sayings of Jesus on the cross just put in the number seven in the search box or seven sayings on safeguard your soul and hit return. I tell you, that's an explosive revelation of how good God is, that he gave his only begotten son, that all we had to do is believe on him, to turn to him in repentance and believe upon Christ and be saved and exonerated from all our sins. But yet, if you choose not to, see, Jesus said, he that believeth in his, he said, you go into all the world, he told his people, that's us, and preach the gospel to every creature. He that believeth and is baptized shall be saved. He that believeth not shall be damned. See, it's an ultimatum. But people damn their own souls for rejecting God who's revealed himself in his creation, in your own conscience, that's every one of us, and in the word of God, the gospel of Christ, which is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believeth. Amen. Romans 1. By the way, Romans is the ABCs of the Christian faith. And the first three chapters, as we're seeing right here in living color, establish the universal fallen nature and sinfulness of man. All men have sinned and come short of the glory of God. We have all lied. The Bible says, thou shalt not bear false witness. We've all had other gods before us today as we speak. You either have the Almighty as the God of your life, or you've got the God of self, the small g, that cannot save you. No man can save himself. God searched the whole earth, the scripture says, to find the man that could stand in the gap, but he found none. Ezekiel chapter 22, verse 30, and only Jesus qualified. 
qualified, the sinless Son of God, with divine blood, the blood of his Father in his veins, born of a virgin, came to the earth, lived a sinless life, died on the cross for the sins of mankind, for our sins, was buried and raised again from the dead. He alone, Jesus, who was raised from the dead for our justification, Romans 4.25, paid the price for the sins of mankind, for your sins, my friend. So through the prophets, hundreds and even thousands of years before Jesus came to the earth to die for mankind, to redeem us from our sins so that we could have fellowship with him and the Father who are holy, 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 and therefore will not and cannot fellowship with anyone who has sin in their life. You don't have to have sin in your life. Jesus paid the full price for it. Jesus didn't die just to forgive you initially and then allow you to go on sinning, you that claim to know Christ. The Bible says if you're abiding in Christ, which is essential for eternal glory, if you don't abide or remain and continue in him, you're going to be cast into the fires of hell. That's what Jesus taught, John 15, 6. Anybody who denies that or speaks otherwise is an absolute demonic wolf and fraud, period. So Jesus didn't die just to wash away your sins initially. He died to give you the victory over all sin. And if you're not having the victory over all sin, it's because you're serving the God of self. And you need to go on a fast, decide and definitely obey him by laying down your life in this world in true repentance and have a fresh start with God, putting the past behind you and feed your spirit and starve your flesh daily. Deny yourself, take up your cross and follow Jesus. Cry out with John the Baptist, he must increase, but I must decrease, not my will, but thine be done, Father, in Jesus' name. So Jesus, before he came, he was the word made flesh. What word? The prophetic word of the Father through the prophets. He promised that he would come and it happened. He did. He promised that he would come and die for the sins of the world. And while he was on earth, he repeatedly foretold that he was going to die and be buried and raised again from the dead to his own disciples. It happened. He did it. Absolute fact. Irrefutable. He also, again, said he's going to be raised from the dead. It happened. And then he also said that he's coming back and that is going to happen. Jesus is coming, ready or not, friends. He's given us a conscience. He's given us creation and he's given us ample communication of his word. He's given us the Bible electronically in print and everywhere it can be found. The King James Bible for the English speaking people in particular. So if you are going to suppress the truth as he's talking about here, because they, verse 19, Romans 1, because that which may be known of God, it says, is manifest in them for God has shown it unto them. But yet men, verse 18, the end of it, hold the truth in unrighteousness. They believe that somehow they have an excuse for not coming to terms with the God who made them, who is the judge of their eternal soul. And depart from me, you cursed into everlasting fire. I prepare for the devil and his angels is going to be what they hear. Instead of well done, my good and faithful servant, enter thou to the joy of the Lord. Which is it that you want to hear, friend? Obviously, the only wise decision on that question is to prepare yourself to meet your God, as it says in the Old Testament. Prepare to meet thy God. That is in Amos chapter 4, verse 12. So verse 20, notice Romans 1:20. For the invisible things of him from the creation of the world are clearly seen. In other words, the things of his creation testifies to his existence. If you walk into a room in an empty house and there's only one thing in that house and it's a picture, a painting on the wall, what does that tell you immediately? And nobody would argue this. That tells you there's a painter. If there's a painting, there has to be a painter. If there's a creation, it has to be 
a creator. But the reason why people want to deny him, even though in their conscience they know he exists, because God, as we're going to read here, has made himself known to them. The only reason why they want to try to deny that he exists and they spend these so-called atheists. By the way, God does not believe in atheists. There's no such thing as an atheist. We got some good stuff on evolution and atheism on the site. So the only reason, though, that they want to deny that he exists is because they know that if he exists, that they're going to be judged by him and they want to live any way they like. They want to be their own little God, but this is going to end up in eternal hell if they don't repent. For the invisible things of him from the creation of the world are clearly seen, being understood by the things that are made, even his eternal power and Godhead. That's what's understood through his creation, so that they are without excuse. Notice they are without excuse. And again, why are they without excuse? Because of conscience, creation, and the word of God, as we're seeing all three of those in this chapter. Creation, they're drowning in the creator's creation, including their own self. They were fearfully and wonderfully made. And the creation, the external creation outside of who they are, which was created for mankind and the pleasure of mankind by a loving God and the preaching of the gospel. They are shunning it and suppressing it. And therefore, if they don't stop and repent and put their faith in Christ, according to the gospel here, it is the power of God and the salvation of everyone that believes they will be damned, they will be judged as those who are outside of God and have to pay for their own sins in eternity in a place called hell and miss the glory of heaven. The Bible says, I hath not seen nor ear heard, neither hath entered into the heart of man the things which God has prepared. For who? For them that love him. So you're either choosing to love God or love self. You're either serving the God with a small g of self or you're serving the Savior, and that's Jesus Christ. And you're going to have to come to terms with his requirements for you. And again, let me repeat them. You've got to repent and be born again. Repent and receive Christ, and you've got to continue with Christ. You've got to abide with Christ. You've got to remain in him and endure to the end to be saved. So the invisible things of God's creation all around us in this world, which we have more view of and access to seeing than we ever have through technology and our conscience, which is magnified and convicted by the things we do wrong. And then the law of God or the word of God, which I began to cite some of the Decalogue earlier, the Ten Commandments, how we have stolen. The Bible says, thou shalt not steal. If you've stolen one thing, you're a sinner. You're separated from God who is holy. And he wants to forgive that. You see, God wants you to settle out of court. He wants to settle out of court with you. He loves you so much that he gave his only begotten son so that you could be one of his children. But if you choose to reject him, then you are going to put yourself in eternal damnation to pay the price for your own sins when he had paid it all in full and to live in utter remorse. The Bible is very clear about hell. All the details of hell that are given in scripture are absolutely incredibly horrifying. You can look up safeguardyoursoul.com forward slash hell and it's a whole cache, C-A-C-H-E, of truth, podcasts, etc. Menu, uh, the menu we put in there of all the things going on in hell or some of them, it's horrifying. But if that's where you want to go, then remember, God does not need you. You need him. If that's where you want to go, you know, I'm not going to lose any sleep over it. That's your choice. And God is a just God. Verse 21, because that when they knew God, they glorified him not as God, neither were thankful, but became vain in their imaginations and their foolish heart was dark. In other words, when God revealed himself to these people through his creation, through their conscience and through the word of God and the Christians around them and the availability of the Bible, and they didn't glorify him and give him honor by answering his call for them to repent, then their imaginations and their foolish heart, 
They became vain in their imaginations, and their foolish heart was darkened. Professing themselves to be wise, they became fools. And it continues. This is the rebellion of mankind. We see it all around us. And change the glory of the uncorruptible God into an image made to like to corruptible man and birds and four-footed beasts and creeping things. You know, if you study, speaking of these Indian, extinct Indians, why do you think they're extinct? Because they rebelled. They self-destructed by demon worship. Yet some people want to say, well, they didn't hear the gospel. Well, God says he reveals himself. He tells us right here to those people. Nobody was preaching to him. They didn't have a print Bible. It doesn't matter. God is God. He's the almighty. Everything that's made is made by him. And he said that his wrath is revealed against who? Everybody who's rebelled because he's revealed himself in their conscience, in his creation and in the word of God. And so they had at least two of them, these tribes of Indians that have no contact, as some people use the excuse of lame, totally lame. But they had the wherewithal to worship demons. Go look at their art and all that. It's all demon worship, man. It's all occultism. They're sacrificing the children to demons. Boom. Absolute historical fact in every case. So let me ask you a a rhetorical question. They had the wherewithal to worship demons instead of God who revealed himself to them, at least in creation in their own conscience. But they chose demons. And yet you're going to blame God for that? They had all the chance in the world to serve God instead of demons. And then they sacri- They got so professing themselves to be wise and became fools. And what did they do? They changed the glory of God, the incorruptible God, one God, there's only one God. They tried to make a God out of a corruptible man and birds and four-footed beasts and creeping things, which you can see all over their occultic art. They call it, some people call it art. It's nothing but evil is what it is. So they had the opportunity to worship those demons and even sacrifice their own children, murder their own innocent babies. And yet they didn't have, they didn't choose to worship God. So where do they belong? God is a just God, friend. He reveals himself to everyone so that they have the opportunity to believe upon him. Then he says, verse 24, Romans 1, wherefore God also gave them up to uncleanness. This is the, this is what happens. This is the stages of apostasy, which we see going on all over the Western world and all over the world today in light of the soon return of Jesus. And by the way, the Bible said Jesus said, when you see all these things happening, and boy, are we seeing them now, right? It increases every day. Lift up your head and look up for your redemption draws nigh. So get happy and get full of joy because Jesus is coming. Amen. And if you're ready to meet him, you ought to be rejoicing. It's like get packed up, baby. You know how when you go on a vacation, it's funner to prepare for the vacation. You got butterflies in your stomach, your family, you know, when you're a kid or whatever, your family's going on a vacation. It's more exciting preparing for it. That's how we ought to be looking at the return of our Lord Jesus Christ. We're, we're going to be with him. I hath not seen nor ear heard, neither has entered into the heart of man the things which God has prepared for them that love him. That's the new Jerusalem. That's heaven. Revelation 21. Read it and get excited. For here we have no continuing city, but we seek one to come. Some Christians or professing Christians are living like this is all we got. This is where we're going to be. This is not our home, folks. If you're following Jesus, you're not trying to get every, you know, travel trip in the world. You're not trying to go eat at every expensive restaurant on the planet. You're not trying to build bigger and bigger houses and waste money. No, you're packing up and getting ready. You're traveling light. You're a giver and you care for the souls of men. By the way, let me pause to say this, man. We are so privileged to be dropping. And now jails have uh, Bibles. The chaplains give every inmate a Bible. Many of you have done jail ministry like I have. So we drop in the authentic book. We work together with our dear, close sister in Christ.
Christ who's been we've been working with for years, Sister Dana out of Missouri, and we dropped the authentic book, the born again book, the devotional book, Scripture Rich. As if you've read any of our books, they're Scripture Rich, Scripture Intensive, and Christ Centered. And so we're dropping those to inmates every weekend. I want to thank you for being in prayer for this ministry every day. We want to be on your prayer list and also for the supply of the body of Christ to come so that we can reach more and more people with the Word of God. To date, over 56,000 downloads have happened on the the podcast, man, which you can add on Spotify or any podcast platform, Apple, Spotify, Google Podcasts, or you can just go to safeguardyoursoul.com forward slash audios, plural. So we want to give God the praise and also thank you for participating. We vitally need it. Let me just put it that way. Verse 24, Romans 1, wherefore God also gave them up to uncleanness. Why? Because they suppressed the truth. They held it and didn't obey it, as we read earlier here in this passage. So God gave them up. He turned them over to uncleanness. That's going to represent sexual sin through the lust of their own hearts to dishonor their own bodies between themselves. Turn uh, who changed, I'm sorry, truth of God to a lie and worshiped and served the creature, as he mentioned earlier, the four-footed beast and each other more than the creator who is blessed forever. Amen. For this cause, God gave them up. They reaped what they sowed. We see that happening all around us. God didn't do it to them. They did it to God. They perverted his creation and didn't give him honor. For this cause, God gave them up unto vile affections. For even their women did change the natural use into that which is against nature. That's homosexuality. It's against nature. And likewise, also the men leaving the natural use of the woman burned in their lust toward one toward another. Men with men working that which is unseemly and receiving in themselves that recompense of their error, which was meet or due and fitting to their sin. I believe homosexuals live to be an average of 40 something years old. We got viruses and diseases that happen because of this wickedness. Again, the context is people blame God when they did it to themselves. They refuse to do things his way. Listen, if you're going to serve God, it's going to be on his stated terms. That's why we have a Bible, not on your wicked imagination, erecting the image of a false God. We got so many people claiming to be Christians and they, they want to fashion a God in their own image by ignoring what his word says and the wholeness of it, the full word of God. They want to go in there and pick and choose scripture to the exclusion of the whole of the word of God. It takes a whole Bible Rick, to make a whole and a real believer. And if you're not open to and seeking out the whole counsel of God and collating it, if you will, or putting together, compounding scripture with scripture, as Paul said in 1 Corinthians 2, 13, then you're going to be misled and it's going to be willingly because you got a whole Bible and God expects you to listen to it, to study it, to read it and to enact and obey all of it and get your image from God from his word only. Not a movie or some man's book telling you about God, but from God's word itself. Somebody says, well, you write books. Yeah. And we, we follow Nehemiah 8.8. We give the word itself. I don't know if you'll find books on the whole planet that have so much scripture in them. And they're all bolded, by the way, because that's what matters. So if all you did was go through and read the Bible verses in there, you would be extremely blessed. Nehemiah 8.8, the elders of Israel read the scriptures distinctly. They read right out of the word of God. Then they gave the sense of the word of God. That's what ministry is. That's how we go and we teach all nations. We give them the word and we give the sense thereof. Uh, we talk about, as we're doing today on this message, the scriptures and what he's saying. Verse 28, that's what real elders do. And if you're not sitting on the elder or an elder that's doing that, and you're not learning the word of God, what does that tell you? You're sitting under and have placed yourself willingly under one of the many false prophets, Jesus.
Jesus said would come and deceive many. You don't even have five or 10 verses memorized. You're not even in the word every day. You need to repent and follow Jesus because you're in trouble. Anybody that's not in the word of God every day is already backslid, period. You're a foolish virgin believer. If you had been saved, Matthew 25, 1 through 13, and you're not filling up on the word of God and the Holy Ghost didn't filling you by you seeking him in prayer every day, you are backslid. Depart from me is what you're going to hear. You're lukewarm at best. And Jesus said, all who talk to his own church, if you're lukewarm, you're going to be spewed out of my mouth. That means rejected and vomited and rejected from his body. Why? Because you demonstrated that you don't love God. You love self. You got all the wherewithal. You got all the time and energy that he gave you to serve the God of self, to scan the internet, to search this, to read that, to play that sport, to watch that game. I didn't say any of that was sin, but you, I'm just saying in this context that you got all the wherewithal, time and energy to do all of this other stuff. You got, you know, all of these stats memorized. You got the quarterbacks and the baseball or basketball, what all this other stuff. You got Hollywood actors, many of who are perverts, memorized and all about their life, but you don't have five or 10 scriptures from the King James Bible. Bible memorized, brother, you're condemning. You know what? This is the truth. No apology in your face. Repent, repent and follow Christ for real. It's time for you to cry out to God to strip you and cause you to be his authentic disciple, not a disciple of man or some church of Christ. Amen. But we're this gets down to the nitty gritty of who we really are. You can't say you love God and not serve him. You don't love him. You love yourself if you're not serving him. And by the way, his commandments are not grievous. It's all about who we love. Jesus said, you shall love the Lord. Lord your God with, it's a choice. Everybody's making a choice today to love somebody, self or the Savior. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and you shall love your neighbor as yourself. Verse 28, Romans 1, and even as they did not like to retain God in their knowledge. See, they had, everybody has had God available to them. And what three things did he give us here? The word of God, the conscience he made us with, and creation. No excuse. That's what he said in verse 20. They are without excuse because he has revealed himself to to them. The end of verse 20, Romans 1, so that they are without excuse. Why are they without excuse? Because they have a conscience, because creation is part of who they are. They're part of his creation and all the creation around them. There is a God, friends. All you got to do is look at a baby and you know there's a God. All you got to do is look at a beautiful mountain or a picture of the ocean, stars in the sky, the trees. That's all made by our wonderful, loving God for our pleasure. And we have no excuse if we reject him and do not do things his way. Verse 28, and even even as they did not like to retain God in their knowledge, they rejected him. Jesus said, you're either with me or you are against me. There is no neutral position. God gave them over, he says, to a reprobate mind to do the things which are not convenient. See, we see that manifesting all the way around us. And he goes into detail in this passage, being filled with all unrighteousness, fornication, living in fornication. It's any sex, any sex outside of the marriage between one man and one woman is fornication. And all fornicators are going to hell. They're going to be in the lake of fire. Every list of soul damning sins in the Bible, namely the New Testament, tells us that all fornicators will be cast in the lake of fire. You're doing it another way other than God's way. God's way is one man and one woman for life in holy matrimony. And children come out of that sanctified, blessed sex. According to Hebrews chapter 13, he says that the marriage bed is undefiled. Undefiled. God made sex to be enjoyable and a blessing between one man and one woman in marriage. But whoremongers and adulterers, God will judge. Whoremongers, that's whores, that includes whores and whoremongers. That's people committing fornication, living with somebody they're not married to, having sex with any kind of sex, even if it's by yourself, any of that, that's all fornication.
abomination, wickedness, covetousness. Man, some people have said, and I have to agree, there's probably going to be more people in hell because of their greed and covetousness. They would not turn their life over in reality. They're, they're willing to join a church and pretend to be a Christian, but they seek after the things of this world. And if any man loved this world, the love of the Father is not in him. If you are a lover of the world and you love the things of the world, James said, you are the enemy of God. You're at enmity with God. You placed yourself there. James 4, 4, 1 John 2, 15. Maliciousness, full of envy, murder, debate, deceit, malignity, whispers, backbiters, haters of God, despiteful, but proud, boasters, inventors of evil things, disobedient to parents, without understanding, covenant breakers, without natural affection, implacable, unmerciful. Now, if somebody says, oh, I don't do any of that, then he says this, the last verse, who knowing the judgment of God, amen, judgment day is on the way, that they we're all going to stand in judgment before a holy God, folks, who knowing the judgment of God, that they which commit such things are worthy of death, not only do the same, but have pleasure in them that do them. So anybody who takes pleasure in by looking upon or any other thing and doesn't stand against these sins and this evil rebellion against our maker is going to be also judged. That's Romans chapter one, saints. I want you to read that chapter yourself prayerfully. Before we close, let's talk about a few things out of this passage. Notice they're without excuse. Why? Because God gave them the faculties, according to Romans 1. I want you to camp out on that chapter and have it in your spirit as a living revelation for the rest of your life. And through, out of which, through the lens and that you see the world around you, you got to see the world around you through the lens, if you will, of the Word of God. They're without excuse because God gave us the faculties. He gave us the conscience inside. He gave externally the creation, not only internally us. We're His creation. We're fearfully and wonderfully made, Psalms says, but also external creation outside of them, and to choose Him. He gave them all of the blessing in the world to choose Him, but they refused. So to whom is the wrath of God revealed against? The wrath of God is revealed, verse 18 of Romans 1, from heaven, that's where God is, against all ungodliness and unrighteousness, all of this rebellion, uh, who hold or suppress and do not obey the truth and unrighteousness. Rebels in their refusal to obey, readily available knowledge, suppress it instead of simply humbling themselves and obeying it and meeting the simple conditions. I didn't make it hard, but if you're not going to lay down your life and say, I'm going to put God first and make that decision, then these things are going to seem grievous to you because you're so busy serving the God of self. And what has that gotten you other than spiritual death that's kept you there? Shame, guilt, nothing's ever with peace and love and joy out of a clean heart because your heart's full of sin because you won't come to God so he can wash it all away. The Bible says the blood of Jesus Christ, his son, cleanses us from all sin. You know, I was in the gym this week and talking to a couple of brothers and one of them said something. I'm trying to remember what it is. They're not, they weren't brothers, actually. They're, they're men that have good hearts, but they're not saved. And I said, you know, there's nothing. I just had to introduce this, you know. I said, there's nothing more of a blessing than allowing God to clean us from the inside out. We have no greater pandemic than the sin of our own hearts. And Jesus wants to wash all of our sins away. Isn't that a blessing? And man, that was the Lord. Amen. So may God bless each of us, by the way, to be so full of his spirit that we just walk in the spirit and we minister with his love and wisdom and his word, just like a cup running over. Amen. We've got a lot of stuff on evangelism on safeguardyoursoul.com. That is a category on the desktop version right side. There's a drop down menu. Check out the evangelism category. By the way, we have a little book called Revolutionary Evangelism. It's a small book. It will bless you big time. We've gotten a lot of good reviews on that one. Very encouraging with scripture and testimonies, etc. So notice 1 John 5, 3. This is an incredibly important verse. I want you to learn it.
it. For this is the love of God, that we keep his commandments, and his commandments are not grievous. Notice God's commandments, doing things God's way is not grievous. It brings peace. Great peace have they that love that law, and nothing shall offend them. And to the contrary, the Bible says that the way of transgressors, those that are living outside of God's will, is hard. Wow. People make it hard on themselves, and they want to stay there because that's all they've ever known, and they're fearful to say, I'm going to go to Jesus. I'm coming to Jesus. Jesus says, come unto me, man. Quote, come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden. And I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn of me, for I am meek and lowly in heart, and you shall find rest unto your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Every born-again believer can testify to this. You're never going to meet a Christian who regrets becoming a Christian. And how do you do that? You just simply ABC, man, admit you're a sinner. God already knows it. Everybody else knows it. Everybody else has sinned against him. It's not a big mystery. If you've looked on a woman, unless you're an adulterer in the eyes of a holy God, if you've stolen one thing and he said, thou shalt not steal, you, my friend, are a thief in the eyes of a holy God. You're fully guilty. You're in big trouble. But the good news is that God gave his only begotten son to die on the cross for your sins, be buried and raised again from the dead so that he can wash away all your sins and you can be ready to go to be with him forever instead of hell. The choice is yours. Notice man, Job 14, one man that is born of a woman is a few days and full of trouble. That's talking about the old man or the, the person who is still in sin instead of coming to God. His commandments are not grievous. They bring blessings. And by the way, our obedience to him is coming out of our love for him. It's an expression of our love for him. It's a relationship. So they rebel and then they blame God, notice, when he gave them more than ample opportunity and time to do things his way, but they refused. Again, they had all the time in the world to keep doing their own thing. So who do they have to blame other than themselves? Yet they blame God, right? Psalms or Proverbs, actually, 19.3, the foolishness of man perverteth his way, right? And his heart fretteth against the Lord. See, the foolishness of man, Jesus calls that a sin. Mark 7, 23-23, talks about the foolishness of men's hearts. So the foolish, it's the foolishness. People choosing to be foolish cause their way in their life to be perverted. Yet they turn and they fret or fret against the Lord or blame the Lord. Isn't that, that's exactly how that sinful nature works, isn't it? Romans 1. But it doesn't have to stay there. You can be delivered of that. You can be made a new creature in Christ. The scripture says, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things are passed away. All things have become new and all things are of God. Amen. 2 Corinthians 5, 17 and 18. So Romans 1, our main text, reveals to us that God's creation in two C's, creation and conscience. And the conscience he made us with in his word is gospel, the gospel of Christ, all testify to his presence, his majesty, his love, right? His truth and his terms upon which we must come to him and serve him. Each of us choose to hold that truth while allowing God to reign in our lives or to suppress it. What do we do with that knowledge? What do we do with what's in our the guilt of our conscience, with all the creation of God all around us, with the word of God? What are we doing? We're either going to receive Christ and let him be the Lord of our lives, or we're going to suppress this, all of these things that he gave evidence of, of his existence and his will for your life and his requirement for you to be with him. So we're either going to reject him or we're going to receive him. We're either going to give him the place, first place in our lives, or we're going to deny him that place, holding to the truth of God, dispersing it to others when we humbly, uh, we humble ourselves in his sight, seek his face in repentance, amen, and serve him, the Lord of all creation, amen. Heavenly Father, we come to you now in the name of Jesus Christ. We thank you for your only begotten son, Jesus Christ. 
Christ, whose perfect sacrifice one time on the cross bought the world, including us, back to you, O God. Thank you for creating, for finding those you've saved into your family, Lord. We pray as your people here through your precious blood and your holy name. Please do a deeper work in us, O God. It's only you can do. We trust you, Lord, and thank you that you're perfecting that which concerns our lives. You're working in us, both the will and the do of your good pleasure as we work out our salvation with joy and with fear and trembling. Lord, we praise you now for continuing this good work that you've started in each of your people until the day of Jesus Christ. In Jesus' name. Amen. Friend, if you're not sure that you're saved, I want you to go to the Peace with God page on SafeGuardYourSoul.com. It's in the menu bar. Peace with God at the top of the site, either on the mobile or the desktop version. Also, if you've backslidden, we've got a page. It's called Fresh Start with God. It'll be at the top too. Fresh Start with God. Click on that and make things right before it's too late. God's waiting. He loves you and he's ready to forgive you of all your sins. And he's not mad at you. He just wants you to come home. And home is with him in his lap. He loves you. Amen. In Jesus' name. Well, brothers and sisters, it's been a blessing to spend these moments with you in the Word of God. And remember, there's hundreds of more Christ-centered, scripture-rich, edifying podcasts on safeguardyoursoul.com forward slash audios. There's also a store page with several, many books on there for your edification in Christ. They're all scripture-rich and Christ-centered. Also, tens of thousands of saints and sinners are being reached every month, and your prayers are coveted for the fruitfulness and supply of this outreach. God be praised, by the way, for those who are supporting, and feel free to visit our donate page on the site, and you can use your debit card, PayPal, or Patreon, and you can become a monthly sustaining member if you choose to do so, and a gift of any amount is so appreciated. Part of this outreach is to equip and supply other ministering disciples across our great country and all over the world. And may God be praised that there's fruitfulness happening among his people and through his beloved saints as we know that the return of our Lord Jesus Christ draws nigh. And we say together in the words of Revelation 22, even so, come Lord Jesus. Amen.